0: How many of you have ever been in a situation where you know God wants you to show kindness? He wants you to do good. But that day, you're not feeling it. You've been there. You Raise your hand or just nod. I've been there. I'll tell you about a situation I had like that recently. I was having one of those days. In fact, now that I think about it, I'm pretty sure I was having one of those weeks And maybe one of those months, I just was not feeling good. I was tired. I was frustrated. I sometimes have back problems. I'm pretty sure I had a backache that day. And I was late for where I was going. So I'm near the front door. I'm just getting ready to leave. There's a knock on the door. And who is it knocking on my door? The Jehovah's Witnesses. Now I know I'm supposed to, Jesus loves you. I wasn't feeling it that day. And so the door opened and here's this guy. I mean, he was nice. He's polite. And he had this cute little daughter with him. I think the one kind thing I did, I seem to remember, looking at the little girl and said, "Hi, sweetheart. I think, I think. But I looked at that guy and somehow I was thinking I need to get the gospel to him, but I got to go. I'm late. So I just looked at him and I said, sir, I want to let you know something. Jesus Christ is God. He's not some angel. He's not some lesser God. He's God. And if you don't have a personal relationship with him, you are going to miss heaven. All right, boom, and I shut the door. Now, please, please, y'all, do not try this at home. That's not the point. Here's what I'm trying to say. God wants me to do good. And God wants me to show kindness. We're talking about the fruits of his spirit. And the two we're talking about today are goodness and kindness. And I was so busy thinking about the one true thing I better say to him quickly because I got to go. Not much kindness at all. Messed it up. Now, don't worry. I know what I'm going to do next time. We'll talk about that later. But I'm telling the story because I want you to see the struggle. God wants us to do good God wants us to do the right thing. He wants us to be kind. Sometimes we're listening and sometimes boom, we are not listening. But the beauty is that with the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives, we can show goodness consistently. Amen. And we can show kindness consistently. And I want us to look at two passages that I think will help us along those lines. Come on with me to Galatians 5, beginning with 22. And would you stand as we read the word of God? Galatians five twenty-two. I am going to be reading from the New, internet, uh, the, uh, new King James Version of the Bible. Please follow along in whatever translation you've got. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering. Here are our two, by the way. Kindness, goodness faithfulness, gentleness, self-control against such. There is no law. And those who are Christ's have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Now, before you take your seat, I want us to look at the passage that's really going to be our primary passage for the day that talks about, interestingly enough, goodness and kindness. It's also written by Paul, but from a from a very practical perspective, I think it will help us. We're going to Titus and I want to back up a little bit. Titus to uh, look at verse 14 of Titus 2 You can turn there. The word of God will be on the screen. Titus 2. We're going to start with 14. Of course, it's talking about Jesus Christ who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from every lawless deed. We're all sinners. Amen. That he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people, zealous for, look at this now, good works. Again, God wants us to show goodness. Now go down to 3 1, Titus 3, the first verse. Remind them to be subject to rulers and authorities, to obey, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to be peaceable, gentle, showing all humility to all men. For we ourselves were also once foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving various lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. Yes, we were. But when the kindness and love of God, our Savior toward man appeared. I got to read that again. But when the kindness And love of God, our Savior, toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, that having been justified by his grace, we should become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. This is a faithful saying, and these things I want you to affirm constantly, that those who have believed in God, that's all of us who love the Lord, that those of us who have believed in God should be careful to maintain good works. These things are also are good and profitable to men. You may have your seat. Kindness. Goodness. It turns out that these two words that are used both in the passage in Galatians and a couple of times here in the passage in Titus are very similar, just like in English. I even had a couple of conversations with people this week where they said, wait, you're 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 doing goodness and kindness. Aren't they similar? Yes. I mean, when you're good, you hope to be kind. When you're kind, you hope to be good. It's the same thing in in the Greek language in which Paul was writing. The word that means goodness or that's translated goodness sometimes has the sense of kindness. And the word that's translated kindness sometimes has the sense of goodness. So I kind of wrestled. I was like really praying and trying to understand what was Paul saying? Because God's word is true. Amen. Every word is God breathed. So if he wrote it, there's a reason that those were two of the fruits of the spirit. We don't have one here. Not eight. There are nine. There are two. There's one that's kindness And one, this goodness and there has to be a reason. And I feel that the reason is that the Lord. Yes he wants us to do good. Or do good works. By the way that's the theme of the book of Titus. If you want to study good works read Titus. He wants us to do good. But how does he want us to do it? He wants us to do it with kindness. Sometimes we do. And sometimes we don't. But God can empower us. To do what is right, that's goodness, and do it with kindness. Amen? All right. And that's actually our, our subject. Uh, let's put that up on the screen. Our subject today, doing the right thing with kindness. Let's say that together. Doing the right thing with kindness. Amen. Praise the Lord. Let's have a brief word of prayer. Dear God, we thank you so much that you are patient with us. We know we don't have it together. We know sometimes we're obedient and sometimes we're not. Sometimes we're kind. Sometimes we're not. Sometimes we show goodness. Sometimes we don't. But help us to honor you more today than we did yesterday. Help us to love you with our lives by doing what is right, by being kind. And Lord, if there's one man, one woman, boy or girl here who doesn't know you as Savior, save that person. Draw them to you. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So today we're talking about two fruits, kindness and goodness. They are fascinating words used in the New Testament a number of times. And I love the way they're used in Titus. But I just want to say I get the sense from Paul that he's challenging us to make sure that when we do good, there is some kindness. Now, here's what I mean. If you go back and read Galatians, it starts off the first part of that passage. It has the works of the flesh. That's a mess. You've got everything in there, Uh, all kinds of sleeping around and drunkenness, even witchcraft is mentioned. By the way, I just want to make a little point. There's a word there that's used, that's translated witchcraft or sorcery. It's pharmakeia. That word actually means that 2,000 years ago, the devil was using drugs to destroy people's lives. So drugs and witchcraft go together. And that's been true for at least a couple thousand years. We get the word pharmacy from it, as you can imagine. So he talks about all these things of doing bad. Amen. And then Paul says, here are the fruits of the spirit. Love, joy, peace. He mentions them all. The two we're talking about, kindness and goodness. And then after that, he says, walk in the spirit. But it's interesting in Titus, he does the same thing. He talks about sinfulness and brokenness and all of that. And then he talks about how the Holy Spirit comes and works in our lives. And he says, I want you to do good works. So I believe what God is saying is do good works, but make sure that the way you do it is to do it with kindness. And that's point number one. Point number one. Let's be kind when we do the right thing. That's point number one. Say that together. Let's be kind when we do the right thing. Now, obviously, when the Jehovah's Witnesses came to my door on that bad day, in that bad week, I wasn't doing the right thing. Not much. There was a little bit of right. I did tell them the truth, but I didn't show any kindness. So I've learned. Don't worry. I know next time I'm going to be ready. Now, if I'm having a good day, I may well be able to talk with them and pray for them and tell them God loves them and all of that. But the next time, if it's a bad day and my back hurts and my head hurts and I'm in a foul mood and I'm late for someplace, I am not going to go about it the same way. Here's what I'm going to do. The door opens, and let's say it's that same guy. And he had this adorable little daughter with him. Hello. How you doing? What's your name? Oh, okay. Uh, nice to meet you, Will. My name is Marcus. What's her? What's what's, oh, she's cute. What's your name, sweetheart? Alicia? Oh, quit playing shy. Quit playing So nice to meet you. Listen, I am late for an appointment. I want to let you know I don't have time to talk with you, but I just want to let you and your lovely daughter know something. There is a God in heaven and his name is Jesus. And he loves you more than you can imagine. And he loves you, sweetheart, more than you could possibly imagine. And my prayer for you is that you'll actually come to know that Jesus is God so that you can be with him in heaven one day forever. That's what I'm praying for for you. All right. Now, sir, if I could talk with you more, I would. No, I'm sorry. I'm not interested in the magazine, but I'm going to be praying for you. And I'm going to be praying for this adorable little girl. All right, I got to go. You all take care now. Have a good day. God bless. Okay, bye. Now I can shut the door. about my business? Because the first way, there was a little bit of goodness, but how could he see it? I shut the... No, I didn't slam it, thank God. But just shut it. At the wrong time. But if you just put some kindness in there, all you know communication theory, most of it has nothing to do with the words... It has to do with how you say what you say. Facial expression, body English, all of that. We need to show kindness as we do the right thing. Amen. And one of the things that makes it hard for me to show kindness and goodness is if Marcus is thinking about Marcus. If I'm thinking about me, not you. Not the neighbor, not the Jehovah's Witness, not the Christian, not the person over here. If I'm just thinking about me, it's hard to do right. But if I think about others first and more importantly, I think about God first and then others. If I show some humility, it helps. Let's go to our passage. Look at that Titus three. Look with me at verse verses one and two. We'll read one and two Titus three. Great instruction here, I think, from St. Paul on how to show goodness and kindness Remind them to be subject to rulers and authorities, to obey, to be, re- be ready for every good work. Let me pause there. Do you realize he's talking about people in Crete? That is a place that was known even by at least one of its own poets as being a hotbed of sin. People in the ancient world talked about Crete, about all the things that went on. But what I love about God is he doesn't say, now I know this is not going to work in Crete. So why don't you start a church somewhere else? Because even the Holy Ghost can't get these folk right. It's impossible. God says, get ready to do some good works. Oh, and by the way, I'm reminding you because I've already been teaching. You see? You see the hope in God? Isn't it good? Because every one of us is messed up somewhere. Amen? We're all sinful. And this is a place that people would think of as a complete mess when it comes to sin. And God says, wait, get ready for good works. Look at verse 2. To speak evil of no one, to be peaceable, gentle. Now, listen, showing all humility. Now, first, Paul says, speak evil. We'll talk about that. Be peaceable, be gentle. But then showing all humility. The humility is the way we do it. Showing humility. You need to do all this other stuff while you're showing humility. It's the attitude that will help you do the right thing. Amen. And be kind. And so that's point number two. Point number two. Showing humility is the right thing. That's point number two. Let's take a look at that. Or let's say that together. Showing humility is the right thing. Paul is saying we can't be thinking about ourselves. He's sharing this with uh, uh, this church in Crete. and And God has put it on the Word. So now it's talking to us. We've got to make sure that we're not thinking about everybody else. And I love, he doesn't just say humility. He says show all humility. What that means in the Greek is if I'm going to be humble in this situation, the next one I shouldn't be arrogant and walking around talking about, oh, I am the man. I I just love myself so much. God wants me to be humble here and humble here and humble here in all situations and humble here. And humble here. And humble where I did. And and when I didn't think I was humble, I'm going to try to be humble. And humble here. And when I don't feel like it, humble here. And then when I'm pompous here and arrogant here. Lord, forgive me. Then, okay, now get back on track. I'm going to humble here. That's what God wants. He wants us to be humble consistently. That's what it means. All humility. That's what he's talking about. And it's beautiful because when we do that, it's not all about us. It's about honoring God. Amen. So a beautiful picture of that. Not too long ago, a couple years ago, I was sitting right here on this front row with my wife and the Safari Kids Choir was singing. Somebody say amen. amen. How many love the Safari Kids Choir? I love that choir. You know, and they, they always sing great worshipful music. They can almost sing anything. I'm happy. I'm, you know. And so the choir was singing and, you know, the kids were doing that little step. They're doing that, you know, and they and they, you know how it is with the choir. You know, some of them have it and some of them, you know, but it doesn't matter Because they're so adorable, right? And they got the whole choir doing the clap and the step. And there were these two little girls in the front row, couldn't miss them. And one of them just stopped. And she's looking out there, and she looked stressed. And then she started to turn red, and her nose turned red. She looked like she was crying. And the most beautiful thing, the girl next to her stopped and looked at her friend Now, the music is playing. You got 70, 80 kids, and they're all up there clapping and all this other kind of stuff. And they're getting, these two, they're not getting down with the choir. She's looking at her friend, and I don't know what she was saying, but she's like, I don't know what she was saying, but she put her arm around her. All of a sudden, that kid didn't look red anymore. She didn't look upset anymore. Her little nose wasn't red anymore. She, if she had been crying, she stopped crying. Everything was all right. I don't know if they clapped once after that. I don't know if they sang a single note, but I know the little girl here ministered to the little girl over there and put her arm around her. And after that song was over, everything was all right. Because this little girl who might have been six or seven or eight, I don't know the age, she got it. It's not about me. This is about my sister. And I don't know, is it she's looking for mom and mom's there. And oh, where's mom? I don't know what it was. It's not the point. It didn't matter. She needed someone to comfort her. And I thought about if I had been in that choir, I've sung in choirs. And my brother or sister is next to me and they're all stressed. Would I have been looking at them or would I have been, well, I don't know what's going on, but I'm, I'm going to try to pray. Oh, my brother. Here's my note. You know, I mean, really, would I have been thinking about my brother or sister or would I have been? And listen, there's a good intention. There's nothing wrong with that. You're singing. You're supposed to follow the directions of the director. I don't mean that negatively. But my point is this little girl, she didn't see the hundreds of people out there. She didn't see anything else but her little friend with the red nose crying over something. Because it wasn't about her. And here's something else beautiful that I thought was great. I could tell she was building her friend up. I couldn't hear a word. I was sitting right there. But the music was playing. She was building her up. That's another thing that Paul said. We need to be humble, but we also need to build others up. Come on back with me. Titus 3. Look at verse 2. We're going to stay in verse 2 a while. Beautiful verse. Great instruction. Speak evil, Paul says, of no one. This is Titus 3. 2. Speak evil Of no one. This has a sense you shouldn't slander people. We know that. But it's interesting, the Greek word that's used, blasphemeo, gives us the word blasphemy. No speaking evil, no cursing. By implication, we ought to be trying to build people up. Amen? But we know we don't want to use words that dishonor God. We ought to do what's right. We ought to do it with kindness. We ought to build people up so we can honor him and not, in a sense, blaspheme him. And it's a tricky world we live in because there are plenty of bad words we can use. But in my opinion, Satan's got a new twist on cursing. This is my opinion. Here's what he's doing. In the old days, if you get mad at somebody. You say something you shouldn't say. You write something you shouldn't write. Maybe even in an email, you say something you shouldn't say. These days, they've got cursing that's not really cursing because it's an abbreviation, see. Just a few letters. Here's what I'm talking about. Let's say I'm really praying. Really praying. And I'm having a bad day and I'm like, oh, my God, I need your help today. I need you. Help me, God. Or I can say, oh, my. And just stop. Like, you know, I bump my, I bump my, I bump my foot and I, oh, why would I say that? He's God. Why why would I say that? And I've said it, I don't know how many times. Why would I say that? And then texting, you just say O-M and then, oh, no, I didn't curse. That's an abbreviation. When something's hilarious in texting, you can just say LOL. That's good and clean. Laugh out loud. That's funny. Laughing out loud. That's great. But they got another one that starts with L that's foul. See it at the movie theater. Don't text it. It's foul. It's right there on the screen. I love it. I was talking to a member between services. She said, I don't know that one. I said, good, sister. I'm glad you don't. <laughs> Praise the Lord. But here's my point. Whether it's texting, whether it's an abbreviation, whether it's conversations, whether it's what comes out of your mouth or what you put in an email or in a letter, however you communicate, we're supposed to be building people up. And we're supposed to be honoring God. And that brings us to point number three. That brings us to point number three. Remember, to do goodness is to do the right thing. Building others up is the right thing. Let's say that together. Building others up is the right thing. Several times I've been blessed to do a funeral and hear something like this. In fact, maybe only once or twice have I heard something this strong. I've heard people say, my grandmother as far as I know, has never said a negative thing about anyone, ever. Can you imagine that? Especially somebody who lives in their 70s or 80s or 90s. My dad is the most positive person. I love him. I miss him. I always hear him building people up. I don't ever remember him putting anybody down. Oh, how I miss him. Wouldn't you love to have a legacy like that? Now, it's too late for me. And it's probably too late for a lot of us. But wouldn't it be great if somebody could say, now, my brother, most of the time, he's building people up. My sister, most of the time, she's encouraging people. What I like about this brother is 98.4% of the time, he's positive. That's good. You ain't missing but one6 That's pretty good. You hear what I'm saying? But we ought to be building people up because it honors God. And it also helps us with our interactions with others. We're less likely to have unnecessary fighting and and backbiting and all of that. Paul says we should not only build one another up, but he says we should be the next thing in Titus is peaceable. He says, speak evil of no one and be peaceable. That word means that we shouldn't fight or quarrel when there's no need. That's okay to debate. It's okay to argue. Sometimes you need to confront somebody in love. Speaking the truth in love is fine. It's necessary. It's godly. But there are sometimes you know it and I know it. I'm arguing and I'm just arguing because I'm right and I want to win. Bottom line, so are you. No need for a quarrel. No need to argue. But I get into it and you get into it. And God is saying to us that we ought to care more about peace than winning. That's point number four. Point number four, loving peace is the right thing. Let's say that together. Loving peace is the right thing. I love the story of uh, Charles Spurgeon, the great preacher from the 1800s. I'm a Baptist, and so I I, I love stories about him. And uh, Charles Spurgeon was in a time where there was great division among the body of Christ, particularly among preachers. You had this faction that believed this. And this faction that believed that. And the guys over here couldn't stand the guys over there. The guys over here couldn't stand the guys over there. And they would go back and forth and argue and yell. And sometimes when they used language, it was not peaceable language. These are Christians. It was not building one another up. It was slandering. It was evil speaking. And so at this point, at, at probably at the height. Of some of this arguing and debating, somebody came up to Charles Spurgeon and pretty much wanted him to pick sides. And so here was the question the person asked. He said, so, uh, Mr. Spurgeon, of what persuasion are you? And I love how Spurgeon handled it. He said, I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth. No, anything else in all of creation could possibly separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord, which is his way of saying, I love you. God loves you. And by the way, if you're in this camp, he loves the folk over there. And if you're in this camp, he loves the folk over there. And you need to be more loving, my brother. That's what he was saying. Why waste your time arguing about something like that. I love the way he handled it. But it's loving peace. That's what. Paul says, if we're going to do the right thing with kindness, we need to love peace. Why fight when it's not necessary? Let me ask this question. Do I really, do you really have to have your way all the time? I mean, is it really all that important? St. Paul says, not as much as you think. Look at our word. Titus three, we're still in two. speak evil of no one, be peaceable, gentle, he says, it's a beautiful word. The sense of gentle is that I don't always have to have my way. I can be forbearing. I can step aside. I can choose not to have to win today, not to have to win right now. It means that I'm willing. Sometimes I'm not talking about being a doormat. I don't think that's godly either. You know, Bible says, "Love your neighbor as yourself." There's nothing wrong with self-protection. Let me be clear there. There's nothing wrong with self-protection. I think it's godly to protect yourself, especially in this sick world, because there are mean-spirited folks out there. There are violent people out there. There are terrorists out there. So there is a need for self-protection. Amen. But what I'm talking about is those times when I know and you know the only reason I'm getting in this argument is because I'm going to win. It's got nothing to do with helping the person learn anything, honoring God. And it certainly doesn't have anything to do with goodness, doing the right thing, kindness. No, I just want to win. And Paul says you ought to show gentleness, which means sometimes you've got to be willing to say, hey, it's not that important. Point number five. Put that on the screen, please. Point number number five. Choosing to yield is the right thing. Let's say that together. Choosing to yield is the right thing. There's a poem that I have that I like to use for couples counseling when it's appropriate. And it's written by Ogden Nash. I don't know of any of his other ones, but this one I think is appropriate. Here's what it says. uh, Husbands and wives, I hope you're listening. To keep your marriage brimming with love. In the loving cup. Whenever you're wrong, admit it. And whenever you're right, shut up. <laughs> you know it's true. Husband and wife, sometimes we're just going on because you think you're right. And here's the funny thing. Sometimes you're going on because you know you're right. And 15 days later, you find out you were wrong as two left shoes. <laughs> but you went, I'm not, honey, let me just explain. Let me just explain. For what? So I can win, because I want to get my point across, because I have to say this, because you have to hear me. I want to be right. Husbands and wives. But God is saying, when do you yield? Not that you yield all the time. Again, when do you just yield? When do you show gentleness? When do you think about the other person or the relationship relationship? Maybe this isn't good for our relationship. I've been talking an hour. I didn't get too many amens on that, but at least you laugh. But that's true of all of us. So Paul is saying, yield. So why do we want to be yielding? Why do we want to be gentle? Why do we want to be peaceable? Why why do we want to be humble? Why do we want to do the right thing? With humility and with kindness. Why do we do it? It's very simple. If we love Jesus, we want to honor him. Amen. Look with me. We're in Titus 3. Look at verse 3. Titus 3, verse 3. For we ourselves were also once foolish, disobedient, deceived. We can almost stop there. When you don't know God, or if you do know Him and you're committing whatever the sin is, it's foolish. God is a practical God. Let me just say something. He's practical. If he says, don't talk that way, don't act that way, don't treat her like that, don't treat him like that, there's a reason. And if I go ahead and do it, it's foolish. Because he's God. He made the whole world, earth, including the person I'm messing over. Even if it's myself. It's foolish. Every time we commit a sin, it's foolish, disobedient, deceived. It's true of all of us, especially before we met God, serving various lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. Listen, you know, people who are out there getting drunk with each other, smoking crack with each other. There's not as much love among them as they might act like there is. There is some hatred. Don't you dare drink me under the table. Don't you dare look better than me. Don't you make more money than me. Don't you have a nicer car than me. I'm going to be angry. There's envy, all of this stuff. But what's beautiful, is God knows that's going to be there, and look how he responds to us. But, this is verse 4, but when the kindness and the love of God our Savior toward man appeared, as if out of nowhere. When it appeared, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. I love this image. God has been so good to us. God is good. What? And all the time. He's always good. But this passage says he's not only good. He is kind. And when Paul uses this particular word for kindness, please hear me. What he's saying is God is the God of grace. He loves us and he cares about us even though we don't deserve it. When he's talking about the kindness of God here, he's talking about it like grace. Paul uses, by the way, the exact same word in Galatians 5 for the fruits of the spirit. Kindness. Exact same word. When God is kind to us like that, it's out of the gracious heart of the Lord. So why would we not want to honor him? Amen. Why would we not want to glorify him? And that's point number six. Point number six. Glorifying Jesus Christ is the right thing. Point number six. Let's say that together. Glorifying Jesus Christ is the right thing. I want to share with you the story of a man who glorified God in some ways that literally blew my mind. His name is Gerardo Gutierrez, but everybody calls him Jerry. He's the life of the party. And I mean that in a positive way. Caring, giving, the fruits of the spirit that we're talking about today. Kindness, goodness that is doing the right thing. Compassion, warmth toward others, humility. Being peaceable, not having to have your way. This guy showed it for years. And the interesting thing is he showed it struggling with a lot of major health issues. Major health issues. Recently, he was diagnosed with cancer. That was a few months ago. He struggled with that. But he still showed this godly attitude, this kindness, this warmth toward others. Even when he was sick, even when he was in his hospital bed toward his family, toward his friends, toward people who visited him, and a number of our ministry team have visited or at least gone to pray with him, prayed with the family over the phone, right up until his final days, a few days ago. If we could put Jerry's picture up on the screen. He did go home to be with the Lord on the second of this month. Right up until that time, he was sending texts. He would get up in the morning. God is good. The Lord Jesus Christ is our King. There is nobody like Him. Keep trusting in Him. And one of the last things he said is, I know if I go home, I'm going to the marriage supper of the lamb. That's where I'm going. I want to stay here. I don't want to go anywhere. But if I do, I'm going to the marriage supper of the lamb. This guy's faith in God is mind boggling. I was meeting with the family last week as we were trying to figure out how our church, our bereavement team could minister to them and put together a service. And the son, Josiah, showed me a video. I'm not going to show it, but I want you to get the picture. Here's a man who loves the Lord deeply, loves his family, caring to everybody at work. Always, no matter where he is, he's always caring. He just got probably the worst news of his life. He has cancer and it is terminal. The doctor gives him the news and has to walk out. At that very moment, his wife... I'm sure by the agency of the Holy Spirit that i got to encourage my husband. Her name is Grace. They're both part of our church. And so Grace pulls out her cell phone. She's downloaded some worship songs. An mp3. She hands it to her husband. And music begins to play. And this man with the tubes in his hospital gown is sitting here in the video and he's got his wife's phone. And he is Singing. Here's what you hear. The splendor of a king. Clothed in majesty. Let all the earth rejoice. All the earth rejoice. He wraps himself in light. And darkness tries to hide and trembles at his voice. Trembles at his voice. How great is our God. He's singing. Sometimes crying. How great is our God. Sing with me, how great is our God. And all will see how great, how great is our God. A couple of times in the video, he looks like he's in pain. I'm betting he is. He keeps singing, how great is our God. Sing with me, how great is our God. And all will see how great, how great is our God. He sings the whole song to his savior in a hospital bed in a hospital gown he knows he's dying and he's singing and i'm sure his wife grace was singing right along with him here are people who understand that god in the midst of the worst circumstances is still good God, in the midst of the most painful time, is still showing kindness to us. God is here. He is our Savior. He loves us. He's with us through the worst times. And because of that, we are empowered by the Holy Spirit to go out and bless other people. Hear me. Because He's good to us all of the time. Because He's kind to us all of the time. How could we not be kind And caring and good to others. How could we choose consistently not to do the right thing? How could we not? He's God. And I love the way Paul puts it, not just for Jerry, an amazing, amazing testimony of faith. We had a a service for him recently. Standing room only. Standing room only. We didn't have enough seats because of the way he treated people. And he didn't care who you were. He was always kind and caring and giving. A great model literally lived out what we're talking about today. But I love what Paul says. This is true for everybody. Listen, the kindness and love of God, our Savior, toward man appeared. Not by works of righteousness, which we've done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. Here's what I love about what Paul is saying. He knows in his head that God has always been kind. He knows in his head that God has always been the God of love. He's always been loving. And yet he uses this word, the kindness and love of God appeared like out of nowhere. We get a word epiphany from it. Just out of nowhere. I think Paul is saying it just a little bit tongue in cheek. He's saying... If you look at a timeline, God has always been kind. Since time immemorial, God was kind. God was good. God was loving. He's always been that way. But when we are blind to who God is, when we're deceived and we're disobedient and we're serving all kinds of sinful things in our life, we cannot see the goodness of God. We cannot see the kindness of God. We're blind to who He is. But one day, this God who has always been kind... Always been good. Always been loving. One day, at some point, the light comes on. And we realize this Savior would actually love us enough. He's done it already to die on the cross for our sins, to wipe all of our sins away. We turn our life over to Jesus. He saves us. The Holy Spirit comes in, the light comes on, and all of a sudden we say, the kindness of God has appeared in my life. It's a new thing. The love of God has appeared because now we know Jesus as our Savior. It's like it appeared it's always been there and it always will be there. But when we're blind, we can't see that. Isn't it wonderful that we have a God who loves us that much, messed up as we are, arrogant as we are, selfish as we are, pompous as we are, quarrelsome as we are, mean-spirited and looking out for ourselves and not other people, and yet the kindness but God it's just but the kindness and love of God appeared. And he did come down to this earth. He did come down and preach among us. He did bleed on the cross for you and me. He did die on the cross for you and me. And thank God he rose. He is the risen savior. He is King of Kings. And he of Lord, Lord of Lords. He is the one who loves us and cares about us. He is the ultimate kindness, the ultimate goodness, the ultimate love. Nobody can love us like, God. Nobody can care about us like God. Nobody can do us right like God. He is our King. He is forgiving. He's always been that way. It didn't just appear. He's always been that way. And we ought to praise Him. We ought to give Him glory. We ought to tell Him how much we love Him. Not just with our words, but with our lives. With how we treat other people. Family, friends, strangers, and especially the folk who get on my nerves. Because most of the time, I'm getting on their nerves. The same with you. How could we not do the right thing with kindness? Our God has always been kind to us. He has always been good to us. So may we show goodness. Do the right thing with kindness. Would you stand with me, please?